episode 157, Captain America, Civil War. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here as your host, alone. Yes, that is correct. This is another first. Uh, We've had some firsts here as we've been expanding things, and today I guess we're contracting things. Uh, As I record this weekend, it just didn't work out, and we wanted to get this out in time for good discussion anyway. Uh, before the next episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so here I am, Agent Daniel, off doing Agent Daniel stuff. Agent Evan, well, he's not here, uh, partially because if he was here, I would have ended up recording three podcast episodes with him about Civil War. Yes, that's right. I've already recorded one podcast episode with Agent Evan. That podcast episode was... Uh, over at Strangers and Aliens, uh, the podcast that we do about uh, faith and science fiction and Christianity and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can find that episode, actually, if you go to strangersandaliens.com slash civil war, no spaces. And that episode is actually kind of a fun one. It was a road trip episode. And when we do a road trip episode, we uh, we record during the road trip there and the road trip back. So we talk about what we think is going to happen, what we think we're going to see, and then we talk about what we actually did see on the way home. And in some ways, you know, that actually could be a precursor to this discussion I'm having because it's not discussion. Discussion has the prefix of, of die, which is two, right? There's no one to answer me. Daniel! Daniel, where are you? Well, he's not here. But he kind of is. What do I what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that he will be appearing in this episode vocally. Uh, he called in two or three times with with some thoughts about Civil War. So we are going to get some of Daniel's thoughts. We are going to get some of your thoughts, dear listeners. Uh, we are going to get some of your thoughts in the feedback. At the end, uh, I'm actually thinking about waiting until even past, uh, giving some time after recording so that I can get more feedback in from you about the movie, allowing some uh, late latecomers um, who didn't get to see the movie like opening night, that kind of thing. Uh, so anyway, there's going to be other voices here. The primary voice, yeah, you're, you're stuck with me. And some of you are thinking, ah, oh, I just want to hear Daniel again. You're going to hear Daniel again. Some of you are thinking, ah, I want to hear Evan again. Go to strangersandaliens.com slash civil war. You'll hear Evan there. Uh, and some of you are thinking, Ben, oh, well, I'm here. <laughs> I'm I'm here. I've got some things I wanted to talk about about this movie. I, I've been thinking about this movie a lot. And I think that actually might be one of the best things about this movie is that there is stuff to think about. The same with Winter Soldier. There is stuff to think about. It is still pop fiction. It is still pulpy 
sci-fi adventure, but it has some nice ideas and things that are in there that are meant to get you thinking and meant to get you excited, but also meant to get you wondering, okay, who who should I be rooting for here? There is not a clear-cut villain in the piece in the main conflict except for Zemo, who is there to really set up and push the main conflict. And that is a very interesting way to go about things. I went in expecting that Iron Man would be our clear villain. And even though he wouldn't be villainous, he would be the main antagonist, the main one who's pushing against Steve Rogers. Well, I was close. And I'm not going to... Sp- no, I'm going to spoil. Uh, I was I, I was pretty much team Cap the whole way through. And like I said, go to strangersandaliens.com slash civil war and you can hear some more thoughts on the conflict and the civil war that it created over there between Agent Evan and myself. And we are going to do one more follow-up episode on Strangers and Aliens um, with uh, Evan and myself and, and our other host over there. We'll see. I might have gotten him to change his mind about some things based on the end of our conversation from that previous episode, but I don't know. I haven't had a chance to really talk to him about how he's feeling about things now, and I think he wants to kind of hold that off. In fact, as I was getting ready to do some recording, he was considering sending in some feedback, but he wanted to wait because he wanted his feedback to be more dialogue. And so I don't know what that meant. I I think that... I think he said something about controversial opinion, which I already felt like his opinion was controversial, but that's over in that other podcast, and if you're interested in that, you can go over there. For here, for now, I want to talk about some of the things I've just been thinking about as I have been doing this, this, just thinking about this movie, and, and thinking about the things, I think, thinking about the things that this movie wants me to think about, and... So I guess, you know, I kind of look at the movie, there's really three parts to it. There's there's Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3, and it's pretty clear where the breaks are. You have Act 1, which is all the setup. It's all the stuff about the Sokovia Accords and, and getting us into the conflict and getting uh, Tony set up on his side and where he is going to make his stand and getting Steve up on his side and where he is going to make his stand. And then in Act 2, you have the conflict, and you have the chasing around, and you have Steve trying to protect Winter Soldier, trying to protect Bucky, and you have the great big battle in the airport. Man, that great big battle in the airport. And then from there, you have Act 3, which is after the battle in the airport, where they go out, and they are going after Zemo. They think they know what they are going after, you they I I was right there with them. I thought they were going to go there. They were going to battle the super soldiers and in battling the super soldiers that was going to reunite them and it feels so good. But no 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 no. They get there and I have to say as controversial as this may be, I really liked this ending because it's so different. And that's another thing about this movie. This is not an Avengers movie in that it's not as big in scope as the other two Avengers movies and as the Avengers movies that we assume are coming 
with Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2, which are going to have some sort of different title to them. But, I mean, it was an Avengers movie in the number of characters. This was not, though, a great big battle that was going to end in the world being destroyed or anything like that. Instead, we end on a small, personal conflict. I like this so much. Now, there are things about this small, personal conflict that I do not like, that we will get to. But for now, I'm just going to say the movie is awesome. It is awesome. I have small nitpicks. I have a couple larger ones that I have issues with from a storytelling perspective. But overall, man, what an exciting and fun movie. In fact, I think you know, I have an outline here of what I wanted to talk about, but I'm, I'm going to shuffle things around. And I think I'm going to start with the things that I really, really liked. Because I don't want to start on a downer and, and make people think that I didn't like the movie by, by starting on a downer. Instead, I'm going to start with the things that I did like. So, uh, Spider-Man. Liked him a lot. I liked him a lot. This is my favorite live-action Spider-Man. Uh, my absolute favorite live-action Spider-Man. As much as I would have loved to have had the Tobey Maguire older Spider-Man revealing his, you know, doing the I am Iron Man thing to the world. This Spider-Man, he was funny. He was uh, lanky. He was young. He was he was well-written and well-performed, and he was a welcome addition. I actually liked him more than I thought I would. I figured I would go in and that they would have done a great job with him, but it would have been a, okay, well, it's Spider-Man. We've seen this before. I liked him a lot. I liked him so much that I'm actually kind of excited now to see the new movie. Before, it was just a, oh, okay, we've got a Spider-Man movie coming, and it's a Marvel Spider-Man movie coming, and so that means it'll be good. I'll enjoy myself. And now I'm kind of thinking to myself, I can't wait to see this kid play Spider-Man. I can't wait to see an actual Spider-Man movie featuring this guy. And the relationship with Tony Stark, it was a neat relationship. It was a nice opening to their relationship. Clearly, Tony's been keeping his eye out on people like this kid and figured out who this kid was. Uh, he was, uh, this was an, uh, you know, ace up the sleeve kind of thing. He'd been waiting, you know, for a moment where he would need to go and contact him. And maybe he had a plan in mind, but this kind of set that plan in motion a little bit sooner to say, hey, you're a young me <laughs> who uh, dumpster dives and loves retro tech. And yeah, uh, very, very enjoyable. Uh, Ant-Man was okay. I wonder if the Ant-Man material uh, was maybe expanded a little more and maybe some of what was going on with Ant-Man was originally intended to be Spider-Man. I I almost wonder if the original intent before they put Spider-Man in was for Tony to contact Hank Pym or or something like that. Now, I say that and you know, the way it the way it turned out is logical and makes sense. And I also say that without meaning 
my intention in saying that is not that Spider-Man felt shoehorned in. He did not. I'm not sure where in the process of the screenwriting and, and that that they were when they decided that Spider-Man was going to be in this movie. But it feels very natural and it feels very normal. And what I also like is that between Spider-Man and Ant-Man, between our, our two bug characters, really, um, they both have opportunity to react to be fanboys uh, with Spider-Man and Tony Stark. And basically, here's a superhero genius standing in front of me. And what am I? Uh, a superhero genius, you know, and then with Ant-Man meeting Captain America, and it's an honor to meet Captain America. And, you know, he has funny lines and they're okay. They're not great, but this isn't Ant-Man's movie. Now his moment where he becomes giant man, that was a fun moment. And and just enough, <laughs> just enough. They they let him do it. It was a perfect foil for what they needed for uh, Iron Man's side as they're trying to stop Captain America. <laughs> and yeah, it it was well well done. I I enjoyed that. Now I will say this though, there is one problem I had with that fight, that superhero fight, and it can be summed up in Black Widow's words. No, no, not Black Widow. Scarlet Witch, as Black Widow and Hawkeye were fighting, I started to get emotional. I started to get emotional because these are two close friends. I was getting more emotional between their conflict than I was between Steve and Tony's. And why was this? Now, I didn't have a lot of time to process this before things changed for me. But this was because as they're fighting, and you're seeing the group fight, and they're trading one-liners, and they're trading punches. But as they're fighting, this isn't their big fight. The big conflict is Steve has gathered his group, and Tony has gathered his group, and they're trying to stop each other. This is not Hawkeye's fight. And it is, you know, uh, Black Widow, it is partly her fight. I mean, she has been standing with Tony. She's been with him up until this point. But... It's not, I mean, she's not the driving force. He is. And so they're getting dragged into this conflict between Avengers, between friends. I mean, all these people, we saw them hanging out and having a beer and, you know, doing the hammer thing in Ultron and having shawarma at the end of the, the Avengers. And we saw them build a relationship that was not maybe the most rock-solid friendships, but it was the foundation for what could be a rock-solid friendship. And we saw it grow, and we saw them grow closer in those small, quiet moments. Those small, quiet moments caused me... Uh, oh, and, and sorry, even another small, quiet moment, and now that I think of it... Uh, is is Hawkeye and Black Widow uh, in Age of Ultron where they go to Hawkeye's house and they spend time with his family and we realize, you know, even though they've already mentioned, you know, you and I, we've had we've had our adventures together, but she knows his family and his family knows her and they're fighting and they're 
punching each other and throwing each other and and I'm watching and I'm just I'm starting to get a little bit emotional. And then they start joking with each other. <laughs> and that's when Scarlet Witch takes a look at Hawkeye and says, "You're pulling your punches." And I realized they are. This movie is pulling its punches a little bit here. The emotion that I was feeling of this conflict between these two friends were thrown on opposite ends of things. And then we're still friends, right? Yeah, you're pulling your punches here. Now, does that take away from my enjoyment of the scene? No, not really. It doesn't. It takes away from my emotional involvement that, oh, this is going to end up with everyone, you know, a rift between everyone. We do end with a rift. And it's in my notes, so I know I'm going to get to it later. We do end with a rift. But at the same time, it's not the rift I was really expecting. At least not the rift I was expecting as I was watching the movie and I was seeing Hawkeye and Black Widow punching at each other. I mean, this was bad stuff. So, yeah, so here we are now. And the scene then becomes something something new for me. And it becomes more of a romp. You know, because it starts out kind of a romp, and then I feel like it's getting heavy, heavy, heavy! And then the heaviness falls over, like Giant Man actually falls over. And still, enjoyable. And you have Black Widow then do her turn. She helps Steve. She does not think that he is doing the right thing, but, you know, she can't stop him, and she respects him, and she loves him in that friendy kind of way, or at least the friendy kind of way where we almost kind of had a thing, but then we stopped kind of having a thing, and you kind of have a thing for your old girlfriend's niece. That's an awkward relationship. Um, I don't really have much more to say about that. Uh, it's awkward. It's awkward. But it's the kind of thing that really... Only people who have been frozen for half a century or time travelers can really truly understand the awkwardness of, and, and maybe if you're experiencing it, it's not quite as awkward. Maybe it's even more natural. I don't know. I have not a time traveler. I have not had to deal with, you know, unnatural aging and romance. So having never dealt with unnatural aging and romance, there's a level of grace I guess I need to give to the situation. And so I'm going to. Steve, you get my grace. Um, I'm just going to trust you that you know what you're doing here with that relationship. I'm also going to trust her that she knows what she's doing. Uh, and I'll, I'll throw this out there too. I wanted to see more of her. Uh, when she was in the movie, I'm talking about Agent 13 now, Sharon Carter. When she was in the movie, she did some really important things. But I feel like, honestly, she should have been going with them. She should have been going with them to the Arctic, or not the Arctic, uh, Siberia, you know, to the Winter Soldier Project. She needed more to do, or at least let her be at the battle of superheroes in the airport 
but she didn't get a chance to. And, and I, I really wish she had been in the movie more because we're not going to get a chance to see them more. And that's where, you know, the solo movies are great because you get to see the supporting cast of all the supporting of all the solo characters. And, you know, that's why, you know, the Thor movies are great because we get to see the, the three warriors and we get to see Sif. We don't get to see them in the Avengers movie. Now, maybe we'll see them, you know, in the second part of Infinity War or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's the supporting cast. Pepper, Potts, she's in all three Iron Man movies and she's in some Avengers stuff. But she was a missing presence in this movie and they had to make up a a reason for her not to be there. That was a logical reason. But it just, I would have liked to have seen more of Steve's supporting cast. And who's his supporting cast? Well, really, it's the two Carters, I guess, and uh, uh, and Howard Stark. Uh, and so what happens to our supporting cast here? Well, Howard's gone, but we already knew he was. We get flashbacks to that, so he actually gets to be a part of things here. And Daniel, it's your, it's your Disney Howard. It's a good thing, right? And then... Um, Agent Carter dies. We don't even get to see her. And that was, oh, I, I, I know I said I was going to talk about things I liked. Um, I liked the send-off that Peggy Carter got. But I wish there had been one more scene, one more scene with Steve and Peggy. I, I, I wish I could have seen that last goodbye with them. Um, but we didn't. So the big battle I liked, Spider-Man I liked, Black Panther I really liked. I really enjoyed Black Panther's presence in this movie. And again, I loved that it did not feel shoehorned. Now, there's a sprawling cast here. And so there's, you know, the cast, there's not a lot of time for everyone. Uh, I do feel like the Avengers characters, the superhero characters that we get put into this movie... They are all given their moments to shine. It's it's kind of a Star Trek thing, you know? And what do I mean by that? Well, it's pretty simple, and I'm, I'm going to explain it in simple terms so that Daniel understands what I'm talking about when I say it's kind of a Star Trek thing. But it's like the Star Trek movies, not Star Trek TV shows. Star Trek TV show is different because there's so many episodes of the TV show in each of the series. But what I'm talking about is the movies where not all the movies, but most of the movies, everyone in the main cast gets a chance to shine. You know, look at Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4, especially, you know, in Star Trek 4, they all get their own mini missions. So you get Scotty and McCoy, and they're going and, and they're, you know, trying to get transparent aluminum. And you have Chekhov and Uhura looking for the nuclear vessels. And you've got. Everyone gets a chance to shine. Everyone gets a chance to have a couple one-liners. And everyone gets a chance to do what they do well. And they they all get a chance to have the spotlight. And that's part of why Captain America Civil War is two and a half hours long. There's a lot of spotlights going on. I never felt like there was too much going on. I don't know if I am in the minority or the majority here because I haven't talked to too many people or seen reviews from too many people about this kind of thing here. 
as, as far as the length of the movie and the sheer number of characters that are getting thrown in here. But with Spider-Man and Black Panther, I felt like we got two pretty good introductions. Now, Spider-Man, he was really there for just for act two. He was there to show up and be a part of the universe. It, it really was, hey, we've got Spider-Man. We're going to use Spider-Man. Let's see if we can find a good way to use him. And I feel like it did a good job doing it. But he's in like chapter two of three chapters. And, and then he leaves. But Black Panther, he's needed throughout this whole movie and he's there and he has his own arc and he's getting us ready for his presence in the MCU. Is this good storytelling or bad? It's different. I'll, I'll put that out there. I mean, this is an ensemble movie and honestly, I, I feel like we get more moments with the individual characters than we even would in, in the Avengers movies in some ways. So those are things that I really liked about it. Now, there are some other things I didn't like, and I'm just going to go immediately to the title character. Captain America, I was on his side. I was on his side uh, from the theme level of things to the you know practical level of things where his arguments were arguments that I was leaning more toward when we are talking about the Sokovia Accords. Because the Sokovia Accords were asking Steve Rogers to put his name on the dotted line and say, I will follow them, whatever they say. Now, I did have a conversation with Agent Evan. If you've listened to Strangers and Aliens, you've heard some of this back and forth about this. Uh, and he's talking about, well, but he's saying that he he's already said he'll uphold the, the laws of the land of the United States. And there is an element of truth to that. But the difference is uh, a difference between making a promise that you might not be able to keep because things might change later on and making a promise to do things that you know you might have to go back on. And it's maybe there's a little bit of semantics here, but what I'm seeing is, you know, Captain America he he says he'll uphold the law of the land and he'll help people and all that kind of stuff. But he's reserved the right for civil disobedience. Signing the Sokovia Accords does not... He He's already saying, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And my word is worth nothing when I say I'm going to do it, but I'm reserving the right to go back on my promise. Because here's the other thing. I mean, Tony Stark is saying, uh, we, will, we will change things after you sign. I promise you, we will change things after you sign. If they can change things in Steve Rogers' favor after he signs, they can change it against Steve Rogers after he signs. They can change it to make him have to do things that morally he just cannot accept. He, by not signing, is reserving the right to not be told to do something he can't do. By signing it, he's saying, I'll sign it, but I expect you to not let me do what I need to do or to try and make me do something I feel I shouldn't do. And since I expect you to do this, why would I assign? 
Why would I sign? So I'm with Captain America on this. Now, I'm also somewhat with Tony Stark on that there needs to be some supervision and there needs to be some oversight. But Stark comes and says, this is the middle ground. And I look at it and Captain America looks at it. I don't see middle ground there. Or if it is the middle ground, it's not middle enough. It doesn't it doesn't give enough flexibility to follow your moral code. So anyway, as I was thinking about that, uh, that's just where I, I feel even more strongly about just Captain America was in the right here. Now, it's funny I would say that, that I feel even more strongly what I already felt before, because really that's one of my major problems with this movie. And that is that Captain America, he starts out believing one thing and feeling one thing and planning to act on one thing. And his character arc is really just to push him stronger, more strongly, I guess. I don't know how, uh, let me rephrase. Uh, It pushes him to feel things even more strongly that he was doing the right thing. And I just don't find that to be an interesting conflict. Tony Stark had an interesting conflict. And that might be... It might make this movie a a better Iron Man 4, let's say, than it is a Captain America 3. Because Captain America's conflict was simply against other people. It was simply against Tony Stark. His conflict was, I have to go against my friends. His conflict was... I have to possibly, you know, lose my job. His conflict was, uh, I might have to, if I'm going to do what I feel is right, I might be breaking the law, but I'm still going to do it. I never once got a sense from Captain America. Now, I've only seen the movie once, and so maybe on a second viewing I'll find this. And if you have, if yeah, anyone who's listening, if, if you think, oh, but wait, Ben, you missed this part. You missed this. You, this one element here that would totally change your mind uh, about this. I never felt him have to struggle and say, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Tony Stark, it's all over the place. He, he He's struggling with this. Captain America's struggle, though, it just comes from, oh... I have to go against my friends or, oh, this Avengers thing is good the way it is and I'm going to lose that. Or, oh, Black Widow is one of my closest friends and allies and she's on Tony's side, not on my side. I never once felt, and I really wish I had, I really wish, because that would have given us an even better balance between the two sides. If we saw Tony on one side and Steve on the other and saw both of them saying, hmm, I could go this way. Now, Steve almost signs, almost signs. It's very, very brief. Very, very brief. And I didn't feel a struggle there. And and that might be the one place. But I, I get a feeling that a lot was cut out of this movie. And I almost get a feeling that maybe some of the some more of the struggle was cut out. Um, and, you know, Sharon Carter's speech, where she's talking about Peggy Carter's speech, where 
it's actually from the comics, Steve Rogers speech talking about, you know, when the world is, is going in the direction you feel like it shouldn't be going in instead of letting the world tell you, you move, you know, you stand against and say, no, you move. That came at a great point in the movie, but that should have been the turning point of Steve Rogers long, dark night of the soul. And to me, it, it just, it just, uh, it just solidified what he was already thinking and what he was already planning. And it just, that's why I wish there had been a little bit more conflict within Steve Rogers so that his conflict was not just man against man, human against human, but man against self. Fortunately, we had Tony Stark who was doing that stuff, and we had Black Panther who was doing that. Black Panther had his own story arc going on and there was conflict going on and he did kind of switch and change it wasn't a flip-flop it was it he took in the information that was coming his way and he used that to make his decisions and he ended up changing his mind and then that final scene between him and Zemo what a great scene what a great scene. And I don't know if there's any character who could have had that scene other than Black Widow, maybe. If Black Widow had been there, I guess they could have put her in that position if they had amped that up. And so, you know, if you're looking for a way, well, how could we have pulled characters out of this so it wasn't so huge and sprawling with all the cast? If they had kept it with, you know, Captain America's supporting cast from, say, Winter Soldier... Black Widow could have been out there and could have been the one to stop the bullet as Zemo was planning to take his life. Now, I do wonder, you know, Z, uh, Black Black Panther says, I'm not going to let you, um, how did he put it? I'm not going to let vengeance consume me. He, in some ways, was getting vengeance. I almost feel like you know, there could be a little part of him saying, I'm not going to let you out of this. I'm not going to let you get away from justice. My vengeance will be to have you put in a position where justice must be served. You're going to court. You're going to pay. You're going to answer for your crimes. And you know, in some ways, that, that is a, a sweeter bit of revenge. You know, Not letting him kill himself and escape all of that, but... It's another quiet moment. It's an odd moment because it's not one of our major protagonists. It's not Steve Rogers doing this, and it's not Tony Stark doing this. It's someone else entirely. Uh, I mean, Black Panther gets his own mini-movie in this movie, and I like what he does, and I like his arc, and I like the resolution of his arc. Captain America is a different story. Tony Stark, too. Tony's arc is, you know, and I, I wish I would have seen a little bit more of the conflict here, uh, but it was, there was far more than, than what, what Steve Rogers had. But, you know, Tony's arc was to come on to Steve Rogers' side eventually, almost, you know, to help him at least, to say, well, let's put aside our differences, and I believe this, but I'm going to go ahead and support you in what you're doing. And, you know, actually it brings us to the there's two civil war conflicts here 
there's the civil war conflict between Steve and Tony about the Sokovia Accords, which is a rational argument that has some irrational outcomes with the actual, like, let's destroy an airport as we are fighting each other. There's a lot of property damage going on there, by the way. And it was big, fun property damage. It was, you know, little kids playing with their action figures, kind of fighting where, you know, buildings are toppling, but no one is there. And, you know, they're, they're using the environment and, you know, with the wing of a plane, that was really, really funny. And, um, you know, Vision knocking down the uh, the the tower there. And, uh, but it was an emotional argument that was also fueled by logical stances. And then you have the other civil war, the far worse civil war, and that was the the killer of parents civil war, where Zemo's plan, what a weird plan, but at the same time, it's very, very, uh, I guess, brilliant in its simplicity, maybe. Um, His whole plan is he finds out information about Winter Soldier and decides, I can use this information to harm the people who hurt me. Does he expect one of them to die? I don't think he does. I don't think he wants Captain America or Iron Man to die. He wants them to just be torn apart. And it works. It works. At its core, it works. And he finds out that Winter Soldier killed Tony Stark's parents and that little bit of information is you know he it's like being handed a bomb it's like really i mean he it, it, the, the whole plot could have been uh, i found a bomb in russia <laughs> you know a, a dirty bomb in russia that um got lost in the shuffle after the cold war and i'm going to use that well it, this is almost the exact same thing where he finds this information now i'm I'm reading in here, and, and maybe I'm helping the movie, as they say, but I don't think so. I think this is subtext that we are meant to imply here, and he wins, but it's not murderous vengeance. It's more diabolical vengeance, and uh, but that conflict there is irrational, and it's emotional, but it's not emotional with a logical... Um, basis it's emotional with the reactionary basis you know and i've seen this is one thing i one criticism i have seen level against this movie and that's that um you know the videotape is being filmed from all these different angles it's not it's not as you can tell when you're watching there's one angle for the videotape one angle for the videotape all the other angles that we get and things inside the car and stuff like that, that's all flashback stuff. That is not videotape. I and, and this did not take multiple viewings for me to figure this out. It's pretty clear. I mean, the, there's a graininess to the videotape that's not there for the flashback stuff. Now, the flashback stuff is done in a different style than the bright, you know, four-color style, really, of the regular world here. But I just, I don't buy that whole, oh, the videotape is just too good, and who's shooting? How many cameras did they have? Well, you know, how many cameras did they have? One. There was one video camera. Now, who was doing the shooting of the video camera? I'm, I'm assuming it's just security footage. It's just a, a stationary security camera, and 
Bucky shoots it. That's pretty simple. And I, I mean, I, again, I, I've seen it once, so maybe I am wrong. But as I'm sitting there, I didn't have any problem with that. And so, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Tony Stark, he sees this and becomes irrational, but understandably so. He starts flying off the handle because Bucky killed his parents. And so this fight that they get in, it's a good fight. It's a rough fight. It's a tough fight. It's an unfortunate fight. But this is our climactic battle. Our climactic battle is not an alien invasion. It is not an army of robots. It is not the worlds are aligning so the dark elf can come and, you know, take the darkness of the dark stuff and and use it. It's it's not any of that stuff. It's two men, one who has every reason to hate Bucky and the other one who recognizes that Bucky was not the one who did the murder. Bucky was, uh, to put it in, in terms that, that Daniel would use when he's talking about the Hulk uh, in some, some comics, uh, he was the bullet that was fired. They pointed him in that direction, gave him that target, and fired him off, and he hit the target. I don't know if the fight was as well choreographed or as exciting as the fight between Batman and Superman, but because of the emotional stakes especially since we've been seeing this relationship build, well, since the Avengers, really. Uh, You know, Captain America's own movie, there was a relationship that started with Tony Stark because there was a relationship with Howard Stark. But that was not an actual face-to-face, let's-get-to-know-each-other kind of thing. We get that in Avengers. But we've seen a friendship grow, and we see here a, a rift torn between that friendship. But punches get pulled. Punches get pulled. Steve leads a letter for Tony, and the implication is that, okay, we're not friends. And this is another thing I've seen leveled against this movie, is that there is no change. Um, there is change here. It's a relational change. They are not the same friends that they were before. Their friendship has fundamentally changed, but there's still a relationship between them, and, you know, punches get pulled. Punches get pulled in Rhodey. He survives. I'm glad he survives. Don't get me wrong. I do not want him on Death Watch, okay? But that's a punch that got pulled. Punches got pulled in that Rhodey doesn't hold any ill will against Tony. I would. I would totally be really upset that I was brought into a battle like that and then was shot down by friendly fire. And you know what, Tony? This could have been avoided if you would have just said, you know what, let's wait and let's see some changes to the Sokovia Accords. Because uh, that that's how this whole Civil War thing could have been avoided. If the Avengers would have said, okay, some of us are okay with the oversight, but others of us think this is too much oversight, let's go back to the people who created this and say, look, we need some more from you. 
that you know let the Avengers actually negotiate with the people who did the Sokovia Accords. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been as exciting. Okay, definitely wouldn't have been as exciting. It would not have been exciting at all. But, but, it would have been a little more. Yeah, I guess maybe this is a little too too how it should have ended. Only not as funny as a how it should have ended thing would have been. Anyway, Tony and Steve are not in the same place where they were before. That's the change that we get here. Another change that we get here is that any of the Avengers that got sprung out of prison by Steve, if they do anything, they're operating outside of the law. They've not signed up. And so that does change things. And I wonder how that affects things like uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. I wonder how that affects things with, um, uh, well, Black Panther. There's going to be some effect there. Uh, and a great ending, too. Uh, when they were taking care of Bucky, I'm just thinking to myself, where in the world are they that they have scientists? Like, I can understand if they found, like, a hidden bunker. But a hidden bunker fully stocked with scientists? Where is this? And then when I realized where it was, oh, that is clever. That is clever. So I guess the final thing I want to talk about is how does this tie in with S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, I can see why we didn't get any S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in up until this point. And I think we talked about this in, in the, the Strangers and Aliens thing. But I can see why. Because all this stuff was happening, you know, in in negotiations. And in in back rooms. And, and then when it gets on the news with we've got the Sokovia Accords and we've got these people who are against it and these people are for it. There, there wasn't a lot of time for there to be any real lasting effect behind the scenes in S.H.I.E.L.D. But I, I'm very interested to see how uh, the now, now the very public effects of, you know, explosions outside of the where they were going to do the, the signing of the Accords and, um, you know, Stark and, and Rogers fighting and and all these things. Now there can be some fallout, and and it won't be the, it can't be the same as Winter Soldier, though that was the perfect tie-in. It was an awesome tie-in, and it came, you know, we had our show going, and had our show had gone on for long enough for us when we got to see them doing the behind the, you know, what else was going on as the Winter Soldier battle was going on, and there was some really really cool stuff they did with that. With this, I really see it as. Well, I, I really see this as um, the Sokovia Accords do affect enhanced in, in individuals now. How does that affect our characters? I mean, I, that's kind of the biggest effect that I see here and, and the easiest, I guess, for them to, to deal with on TV. So uh, let's switch gears and let's move over to some some feedback from listeners and some feedback from... Daniel, Daniel, I've been talking for almost 50 minutes and now I'm going to give you your, uh, looking at the time codes, seven or eight. So yeah, let's do it. Daniel, let's hear from you, huh? Hello, Agent, Agent Daniel here with some likely controversial thoughts on Captain America Civil War. Here's the deal. I've decided that Captain America Civil War is the third best of the Captain America movies. Now, why do I say that? Well, let me just make it clear. This isn't an Iron Man 3 conversation. It's not that. 
I like it. But when I look at the movies, Winter Soldier is pretty much a perfect movie for me. I love Winter Soldier. I've raved about Winter Soldier. I, I find it to be, honestly, the best of the Captain America movies. I love it. I'm a big fan of it. And again, I find the pacing great, the action great, the character development to be really, really good. And there's time for all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, First Avenger, let's be honest, it's a, it's a welcome story. It's an intro. So we do have the the intro sort of stuff that we get here with Civil War. But it's really only a few characters. It's not a whole list of characters. So, again, we have time for some nice, straight-on character development and story building. Civil War, however, as much as I liked it, I just feel like the pacing is off. You know, we got we got to do some formulaic pieces. We got to go here. We got to go there. We got to get this character and get that character and get introduced Spider-Man. We got to find a way to get this person there and build tension slash romance with Wanda and 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 Viz. But the thing is, is when you put all these things together into the recipe, they just don't pace as well as the other Captain America movies do. So yeah, I love I love to see the fighting. I love the well, I, I love seeing these characters on screen, but really, honestly, I, I think it's the third best Captain America movie, and and I'm kind of a hot mess about it. Well, there's that for now, till I call in two minutes from now. Peace out later, bye. Where's the controversial opinion, Daniel? I, I was expecting, you know, something like Ant-Man wasn't fun from you. But in st- and when I say that, I mean the movie Ant Man that you thought was just not fun at all. Uh, where's the controversial opinion? I would agree with you in some ways. I really, I mean the the three Captain America movies I feel like are some of the three strongest Marvel movies uh, that there are. But most of the Marvel movies are really good, and so that's not insulting any of the other ones. Meanwhile, stacking them up against each other. I don't know where I'd put this. I, I Winter Soldier is still the best Captain America movie to me. I really, really like the other one, though, because it's different, because Captain America First Avenger is a World War II Captain America movie. That's awesome. And then this one was really good. But I think I would put it on the the lowest end of the three because of the ca- the title character. Captain America needed more, not more to do, but more to feel. And, and and more to wrestle with. He needed to be wrestling with stuff that Tony Stark was wrestling with. So, but I've already had my say. Uh, let's let's turn it over to Daniel again because I know he has more feelings and thoughts and stuff. Ah, uh, Agent Daniel, more thoughts about Captain America: Civil War. Hey, am I the only one who really got the fact that we've got a duality here? We've got the definitive conclusions of the life of Peggy Carter and Howard Stark. Now, Howard's legacy had already been passed off to Tony, but now in this movie, we do, as we cry and we get teared up and we get that confirmation that Agent 13 is Sharon Carter. You know, we've now passed on the love story to someone else, just like in the comic books, Peggy and Sharon have passed it on. Um, That was a good element for me. I'll be honest, I had to hold a loved one's hand during, during the funeral. Didn't cry. Didn't cry. But I was I was emotional. The feels were upon me. They were. You know, 
we say goodbye to two, we say hello to two. You know, Black Panther, nice enough. I, probably that's how I feel about him in the comic books, nice enough. Um, hello, Spider-Man. I'm rooting for you, kid, but again, you, at least you feel like a Spider-Man. You're not like a thousand years old. Um, but again, I, I, I need to maybe, maybe not have them in this movie. Yeah. Um, just because I felt like, we, again, the pacing, that we were pushing a lot of stuff into here. To be honest, pacing-wise, again, I know this is, I'm a broken record. Pacing-wise, the best pacing was when Clint showed up. Um, no explanation, just showed up. That, that was a good pacing moment. Um, hmm. So yeah, we say goodbye to two, we say hello to three, Everett Ross. Um, not as funny as I was hoping. You know, Everett Ross, he's got problems. And he feels a little too in control at the moment. So I'm hoping when we get to Black Panther, when the government discovers that, I don't know, he's got a little something-something in his basement, that Everett Ross can be funny. I'd love to see something with his pants. Yeah, Ben, that got awkward, because I want to see something with his pants. All right. Tell later, agents. Peace out later. Bye. Yeah, awkward. Um, you know, pacing issues I can understand. I, I'm I'm kind of with you there a little bit, but I I didn't it didn't bother me. It, it didn't bother me. I felt like this moved around along at a quick pace, and for a two and a half hour movie, didn't feel two and a half hours. Felt easily just two hours and ten minutes maybe. Uh, so we have one more thought from Daniel. Hey everybody. It's me again. I know. I know. I just can't stop. You can't stop calling in. It's embarrassing. But hey, I was in the bin. He's over on Strangers and Aliens. He mentioned he went to a regular 2D viewing of uh, Civil War. So I wanted to throw this in. Because I went to a 3D. wasn't my choice. Uh, friends bought my tickets. Um, most of it was okay in 3D. It didn't, it didn't really stand out in 3D. Uh, uh, Honestly, Iron Man 3 did. But um, I did kind of have a problem with 3D. The opening sequence, the opening fight sequence, seemed very, like, flickery, very stop-motion-y when I saw it in 3D. And I, I feel like it was the presentation, not the uh, not the uh, movie itself. Um, so, yeah, that, that threw me off a little bit, uh, didn't really like that part. It was a flickery sensation. I liked the beginning. Just didn't like the stop motiony, jittery sort of frames in front of me. So there we go. A view on 3D. Yes, not really positive. Boom. Peace out, everybody. So I can officially say I think that Daniel hated Captain America Civil War. If I'm going to you know, exaggerate his opinion and use that against him. <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm totally going to, because I'm Ben and he's Daniel and he's not here and he could totally defend himself if he was, but he's not. So yeah, sorry, Daniel, but not really because we're friends and I like to tease you. 
Speaking of friends, I have another friend here who left a voicemail, and that is from Matt Anderson. So, Matt, take it away. Hello, agents. This is Agent Anderson calling with feedback for Captain America Civil War. We're going to have all spoilers here, so if you haven't seen it, don't listen. All right, here we go. Things I loved were Spider-Man and Ant-Man. Everything about those two characters in this movie was amazing. They were hilarious. The action was great. Uh, favorite scene, then, speaking of action, would definitely be uh, in the airport or yeah, airport scene where all the heroes are fighting. We've seen parts of this in the commercials and the trailers, but we finally saw the whole scene, and it was the best thing in the whole movie, I think. It was great. Every character got to shine in their own way, and in some ways every character got to get beat up a little bit too, so everything's fair. Uh thing I would have changed, I think – since they decided that at the end of the movie they're just going to put Bucky on ice again anyways and take him out of the picture, I think they should have killed Bucky. I, I know it would have done some harsh things to Tony Stark's character, but I think Tony should have killed Bucky, uh, definitely severing the friendship between him and Steve Rogers probably forever. Uh, I think that would have had a lot more dramatic value. There is still drama there, and there will still be some things to work out, but if he had, if somebody had died, and specifically in my case i think bucky should have been that person i think this movie would have been weightier however i did still love it it wouldn't be my favorite marvel movie of all time but i'd say top five or if not top five it's my sixth favorite probably i think i think that's where it lands five or six so uh that's it i'll give it four stars out of five all right well thanks a lot for the podcast and i'll talk to you guys later bye-bye that's dark it's really dark but it's good dark not darky dark dark, you know, like uh, some other company superhero movies want to try to be. But I think it'd be a good dark if they had gone there. But again, pulled punches. I'm just going to stick with that. Uh, I think Marvel, Disney has to pull punches, by the way. And I don't think it's a bad thing that they do. They're still creating some excellent stories. But pulled punches that's 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 what i'm feeling here uh and killing off bucky well, that's not a pulled punch though <laughs> that's just a that's a straight up kidney punch right there um that's someone jumping out of the shadows and punching you in the kidney and then when you fall down to the ground kicking you in the back of the leg and then when you fall even further to the ground they're kicking you in the armpit before you even hit the pavement and so it's it's mean, it's dark, but it's not, you know, darky, dark, dark, dark. I'm, I'm going to move on now. Uh, let's move on to the written feedback that we got from a couple different agents here. So first is from Agent Oliver. He writes in to say, subject line, Civil War. Message, hello, my friends, two things. One, if you've ever owned or had a buddy who owned an early VW bug, that scene could be one of the best inside jokes put in a movie to connect directly with a select few in the audience. Number two, I guess Rhodey is going to be getting the exoskeleton suit Tony designed for Steve when his body started to reject the serum back in the day. Anyway, love the movie. Good character balance. Great action, but felt story-driven. I went with my wife's, not so much a comic fan, and we both laughed a lot. Really appreciate you guys. Evan, glad to get to know you. Oliver from Winnipeg. And Agent Oliver, um, I think you're talking about uh, 
uh, infamous Captain America comic book run. Um, one that I have not heard good things about, and so I haven't actually read myself, but I have seen some covers from it. And yeah, you know what? If you're going to have an injury like Rhodey got, you know who you want to be your friend? Yeah, you want Tony Stark to be your friend. That's who you want to be your friend. Agent Dylan wrote in, and he said, Agents, as Agent Daniel would say, that was tense. No camper trailers, RVs, log cabins, or cottages even. I am an infernal pigsty. However, I must say Zemo was a weak villain. No great scope, no Hydra connection. All he wanted was to end the Avengers. He could have been anyone. Reading up on his comics counterpoint, or counterpart, I expected more. And shutting down the Winter Soldier program? A waste of potential. But about that Winter Soldier program, did anything look familiar to you? Specifically a blue liquid? It's all connected. Also, from my field report on January 7, 2015, I wrote, Potentially, Leviathan could have merged with Hydra around, say, the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. But wait, what else happened in 1989? Werner Reinhardt was released from prison by Alexander Pierce. Didn't he run the Winter Soldier program in 2014? Hmm... And then uh, coming out of that, he says, focus. They even use the phrase, ready to comply. It's all connected. Moving on to Spidey. He kind of reminded me of a tamer version of Deadpool. And May totally knows. Funny how Peter never specified what caused his power. Was it a radioactive bite? Or was it, say, fish fingers and custard? Most of the powers associated to Spider-Man have been MCU'd as wonderful toys anyway, it would appear that his only actual superpower is his Spidey sense. So, some random thoughts. Those Sokovia Accords, did anybody actually read them? Was there a book on tape? And did Director Coulson help Sam and Steve get their bird costume and shield back? And how cool was Giant Man? Giant Man. Was that his daughter's idea, perhaps? Would have liked to see Wasp, though. Chadwick Boseman was amazing. Can't wait for Black Panther. Everett means wild boar herd, and Ross means red. Just a thought. <laughs> uh, and, and we're kind of alluding to, and Daniel alluded to this too with the pants comment, that uh, Everett Ross did eventually become the Red Hulk in, in the comics. And some thoughts on the Doctor Strange trailer. Could the ether be making a reappearance? This is the reality gem, after all. Speaking of those rocks... Uh, oh, and then he has a link to an interesting theory he found on the MCU wiki. Uh, Agent Dylan signing off. Hashtag trip lives. <laughs> Agent Dallas writes in to say, <clears throat> So now that I have some time to let everything sink in, I think this film is definitely up there. Top three for me in the MCU. Top four maybe overall of Marvel property films. I thought this had a very strong story. One of the best written comic book movies. The Russo brothers were able to tell us who Black Panther and Spidey are in the sum of a fraction of a film. I feel like I know just as much about them as I did even when the others had their own debut films. However, there were some storyline that lost me. In The Winter Soldier, they show a picture of a much younger Stark who died in a car crash. Why wouldn't they have shown the picture of him as Slattery? Small note. Uh, number two, I like Zemo's plot until the end, so you get to soldiers who could effectively end the Avengers, but instead of pitting them against one another, and but instead you pit them against one another and hope they destroy each other. All the while, you go out and try to shoot yourself. 
I almost rather him be a child of Hydra, even though they are technically gone. It could have been as easy to sing as as much just having a different agenda and not being a true believer. Gives Emo a chance that Von Strucker didn't get. Number three, not that this lost me. Will they expand on exactly how many other powered enhanced individuals have popped individuals have popped up? Was that a possible tie-in to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Also, Winter Soldier saying that he complies. Is this a tie-in to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? This is top three for me, just behind Winter Soldier and Avengers 1. Even after multiple viewings and me being able to recite lines through both films, they both still have scenes that make me giggle like a little schoolgirl because they are so awesome. Boat scene, anyone, Winter Soldier? Like I said, right now, top three, once it comes to Blu-ray, that could very well change up or down. Uh, let's see, your your second point about um, effectively ending the Avengers, but uh, with with soldiers who would be able to do the job. And that's, like I said, I think that's where I thought it was going. But that's when they say, too bad you lost. And and what, is, what does Zemo say? Did I? You know, he... He drove a rift in between them. So, Finally, Agent Jessica wrote in, and she says, Hello, agents. I just wanted to send in my feedback for Captain America Civil War. I saw it twice, actually, because I went with different people and enjoyed it both times. I saw it first in IMAX 3D because I wanted to see it on a huge screen. The 3D was kind of cool, but honestly, I forgot it was in 3D until about the f- after about the first five minutes. 3D isn't really my thing, but if you can see it in IMAX, either 2D or 3D, I would definitely do it. I love Civil War, and I rank it up with the Avengers and Winter Soldier as my favorite MCU movies. I don't know which I would rank higher because I like them all for different reasons, so maybe they are all tied at first on my list. I know that's not really ranking them, but they are definitely my top three favorite MCU movies and maybe top three movies, period. I like seeing more of Agent 13, and I read somewhere that there were actually more scenes between her and Cap that got cut, so I'd be interested to see if they make it on the DVD special features or something. I liked all the Hydra inclusions and thought Zemo was an interesting character. I hope we get to see more of him in the future. I was surprised to see how quickly they dealt with Crossbones, but I guess it was to let us know right away that this wasn't really going to be the comic version of Civil War. I thought it was cool what they did with Falcon and how he used his wings as both a shield and as a weapon. And I love his little Falcon drone. I thought that was really cool, really fun. I also liked how they showed more of what Wanda could do with her abilities, more than just hexing and force field shield powers. Her overpowering of Vision and kind of using his phasing abilities against him was particularly interesting. I was surprised at how light the movie was with such a heavy plot line. I'm glad they were able to add in so much humor that the major fight scene at the airport was more light-hearted than I thought it would be. I really enjoyed seeing Ant-Man become Giant-Man. That was probably the most surprising thing for me in that scene because I was not expecting it at all and thought it was great how everyone reacted to it. Even though the movie was long, I didn't notice, and I enjoyed myself through the whole movie. I would have liked to see a little more Agent Carter flashback or something to to see Haley Atwell, but I thought it was cool and really sad to see her funeral and that Cap was influenced by Peggy through Sharon about what to do in regards to the Accords. Someone pointed out to me that in the comics, Cap actually said some of it to Spider-Man, so I thought it was a neat way to bring it into the movie. Spider-Man was awesome, and I wasn't expecting him to be in the movie as much as he actually was. I really enjoyed the writing and acting for the character, and even though the title of the standalone movie is kind of odd, I'm still really excited to see it it after seeing him in Civil War. I thought he fit in really well, and I love the casting of Marissa Marissa Tomei, as Aunt May. I think it makes more sense to have Aunt May as more of a mother figure than an almost grandmother like she seems to be commonly portrayed, so I'm all for it. My brother's a huge Spider-Man fan. He said he loved how they portrayed him 
and this was his favorite superhero movie now. He was worried about how they would actually portray him since he liked Andrew Garfield as Spidey, but he's totally on board with this new portrayal. I love the addition of Black Panther and thought he was a really cool character. I don't know much about him, so I'm excited to see a standalone movie as well. I liked the actor and thought his suit was cool and fit in with the little I've seen with him, seen of him in Marvel Games and Wikipedia. What are his powers? It seems like he can run super fast and is a great fighter, but does he have any other special abilities? The first scene with the Winter Soldier being conditioned totally reminded me of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and what Whitehall was doing with re- reprogramming people to comply. They didn't say exactly the same thing, but pretty close. And since that took place in 1991, the methods and wording could have easily evolved into what we saw in S.H.I.E.L.D. or even just have been the German equivalent since the movie was in Russia. Also, when I saw the bags of blue liquid, at first I thought it was Cree blood or something, which would have been a which would have tied in nicely with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Super Soldier Serum makes more sense for the movie, I guess. I thought it was really cool what they did with making Robert Downey Jr. look young, and then we got to meet uh, Tony's mom, finally. I didn't even suspect that Bucky was the one that killed his parents until the end when Tony found out. I was confused about when Cap supposedly found out. Was it in the events of the movie or while he was looking for Bucky? That was one of the things I couldn't quite figure out. The biggest issue I had with the movie is that one of the main arguments for signing the Accords was that they blamed the Avengers for the destruction of cities and civilian casualties, and that by agreeing to work for the UN, that will suddenly not happen. If they're in a combat situation, there is not a guarantee that civilians won't get hurt or die because of the nature of war, and it doesn't matter if the UN is in charge or not. Unless they can magically make fighting happen only in unpopulated areas, there's not a lot that can be done differently. Besides the Hulk footage from the Avengers movie, the destruction wasn't being caused by the Avengers. I understand that the idea was to hold them accountable for the deaths and destruction, but honestly, that didn't make sense to me. If the Avengers didn't fight, they would have been blamed for not doing anything, and people still would have died, probably a lot more, which is actually something Spidey talked about to Tony. He said something like, If you could do the things I do and then don't, then the bad things that happen are your fault which kind of falls more along the lines of what Cap was getting at, I think. Anyway, I could have been missing something, but that really didn't make sense to me. I would have liked to see Black Widow more, especially at the end. She just kind of disappeared once she helped Cap, and it would have been cool to have her find Cap at, at the end or something. I was also a little surprised we didn't see Nick Fury or Maria Hill at all. I know there were a lot of characters in the show, but if we can't get Coulson in the show, then at least having Fury or Hill would have been nice. This is getting lengthy, so I'll wrap this up. I really enjoyed the movie a lot. I'm hoping to go again when it's still in theaters. I'm excited to see how they tie it into this next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and what happens because of the Accords. I hope it's more lasting than just an episode or two, especially since S.H.I.E.L.D. is known to exist by at least a few government agencies. I can't wait to hear everyone else's thoughts and theories. Thanks, as always, for the great podcast, Agent Jessica. And... Yeah, uh, the comply thing did stick out to me um, a, a little bit. Uh, young Robert Downey Jr., that was interesting. Um, Evan just kept saying, that is so weird. That is so weird when we were watching. Um, I agree with you about the Avengers not being the blame. You know, you can't blame the good guys for trying to help people from the bad guys if people get hurt, unless the good guys are not doing their job well on... You know, and they, and they were. You know, what else could you do? Five people against an alien invasion, and they're going to blame the alien invasion on the five people who were helping people? Can't do that. Can't do that. Um, oh, and the running. 
I did feel like the running was a little too fast. I, I was watching that and thinking, I don't know. I don't know about this. Agent uh, Jessica did write in one more time to say, P.S. I forgot to mention the Stan Lee cameo. I really liked it a lot, and I think it's probably my favorite cameo of his next to his cameo in Age of Ultron. I thought it was hilarious, and honestly, it's probably the most memorable part of the movie. And I think that that is going to be our final word here on Captain America Civil War. So I do want to thank you for listening, and I also want to thank you for your feedback. And, you know, even though... <clears throat> Doing this alone, uh, maybe my voice feels like it or sounds like it's it's going out from the, <clears throat> the talking. But the truth is, um, I can do this all day. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Anyone else find it kind of funny? Maybe, maybe kind of funny, but you know, they ended this one with Spider Man will return, uh, not Captain America will return, but that's how they ended the final tag. Well, I, I did a little bit. That's all. You're, you're still here? It's over. Go home. Little tag scene reference there, because when I'm alone, I don't know what to do for tag scenes, for post credits. That was Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is a really good movie, by the way. Structurally speaking, I have some issues with the movie when he's running. He just spent the whole day with his girlfriend, and then he runs past the sunbathing girls in their backyard and stops to flirt with them. He's in a committed relationship. Really not sure if this is better than talking about Power Rangers or not. I'm still here. It's over. Go home.